0: And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily
1: Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey. And we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring,
0: we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite of bleep,
1: bleep, bleep places in Clements. <laughs> cool uh with a bit of information a lot of <laughs>, laughs and a whole lot of fun it's already gone to pot
0: we can be found on instagram ladies who london podcast and on our website skydemily.com and alexlacy.com as well as uh our
1: dedicated website ladies who london.com for more info about the pod we
0: are back on the same pod at the same time how's your wi-fi my well actually you tell me i think we're doing okay i think it's good I think it's okay. I've we also move... come round and have a little look and then, you know, leave and everything got a bit better? Well, we got a router. Finally got a new router delivered. Oh. And I'm in a different room, so I'm in a different area in the house, which I think helps. Amazing. Um Yeah. And you're still in the Cotswolds, laying down yeah. well, right I've now, I have to tomorrow. say. Well, you know.
1: <laughs> just lounging. Relax. <laughs> a little bit sexy, all of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've treated myself because the audio last week on my just like Earphones were so terrible. I've treated myself to a little travel microphone. So hopefully, it's beautiful. I'm it's such a beauty. It, fresh out the box. Uh, okay. So
0: it might be rubbish, but it'll be better than last week. Well, anything is better than last week. God knows how many we... listeners we lost after last
1: week. Hey, hey. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just go back to being in the same rooms that we normally record in with no Wi-Fi issues. Just move back to your old flat and I'll go back to my house and we'll be fine. We'll all be fine. <laughs>
0: Um, well, anyway, let's, because I think today, I think this is episode 110. Yeah. So, you know, moving forward, I think that's a good number to start off with. It's not to, you know, hope that, you know, all is going to be well from now on. I think so. I, lo- I love your optimism. Yeah. Um, should have happened
1: at 100, instead it went down the pan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just ignore-, ignore the last nine episodes and oh, we'll, we'll be better. fine. How so, are you anyway, my love? Uh, yes, I'm well. Um, I've carved a couple of pumpkins. Um, yes, I did one today as well. Yep. Um, I've been working quite a lot. I um, yes. went to a christening, which has been a very nice. Um, oh. Yeah, I've just been kind of chilling, you know.
1: Well, I told everybody that last week the exciting news about your hair. Oh, yes, everybody's
0: thrilled to hear about (laughs) Yes, I'm sure they can't wait to see a photo. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's all all chops off, all being chopped off, off. and all brown, all brown, a a little bit of gray, quite a lot of gray, actually. (laughs) Um, embracing it, I'm just embracing the fact that I'm getting old and loving it, you know, loving life, loving the greys, absolutely. She says she keeps on looking at the box dyes in Superdrug. But yeah, how's your week been? Still enjoying the Cotswolds?
1: Yeah, it's been lovely. It's been the Cotswolds. have had a couple of friends over to stay. We've got a friend here at the moment and the lady whose house it is has come back today. So I'm heading off tomorrow. Um, it's just been really chilled and relaxed, but lots of work. Lots and lots of work. So yeah, yeah. You know, nothing yeah. changes really. Um, but yeah, back to the big smoke tomorrow. Um, I've had two weeks of lovely kitties and I'm back to two mad dogs and a dragon tomorrow. So, uh, And you also you are not back at your house. No, not for a while. That won't be till the till the new year, I would think. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the house, the back, I haven't got a front or a back to my house at the minute. And what seems to be happening at the moment is a whole variety of men are standing around a hole and looking into it and scratching their chins. Um, so, yeah. Classic. 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 But there we go. Anyway. That's enough about our mediocre lives. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about something exciting. So yeah, it is, um, of course, Halloween. It is. We didn't actually have um, a podcast pedestal last week for the very virtue of the fact that we weren't in the same room and I didn't even
0: listen to the... I listen. knew you wouldn't listen. And you said to me... Oh, okay,
1: the podcast. Oh, no, I have No, I haven't listened. Um, <laughs> no,
0: I can't believe you're about to go into a full-blown lie there. and You stopped <laughs> yourself
1: about three words in. No, I, was, I meant um, it, You it. didn't I meant listen I, to it. I didn't get around to it. Um, well, I, I sort of listened to bits of it as I was editing it, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) I will listen to the whole thing. I promise you. It was such a good one.
0: You know, you told me to, you know, put in the things that you think I would say and I tried to.
1: (laughs) Oh, I have to go and and check. I haven't been besmirched then. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I I will go and listen. I promise. Um, honest, honest governor.
0: Oh just you
1: know just let's fly over it for heaven's sake. No I want to learn about Kate Merrick. I want to learn about her.
0: Um yes. Okay. So um because you didn't listen to my uh, lovely episode on Kate Merrick last week we didn't do a podcast pedestal. Um and you told me that I won last week or so the week before. Yep. So I think we I think you're still one ahead of me but I am slowly slowly, slowly catching back up. Yeah.
1: Which is crucial because we're coming towards the end of the year. Yes. And it's it's always whoever's in first place at the end of the year wins the year. <laughs> was what it me last year? That's what we did last year, yeah. <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: I don't remember. But was it me last year? I'm sure it was probably me.
0: Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm sure it was me. Or maybe we tied.
1: Maybe. We'll have to go back and have a listen.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, before we get anyway. to the end of the year, we've got a lot of other fab stuff happening. Uh, and this week... It's Halloween.
0: It is Halloween.
1: Halloween,
0: Ooh. and I was thinking back to our episode for Halloween last year, which I think was the one that you were telling us about Spring Hilled Jack. No, if it I remember. a separate episode, Spring Hilled Jack. Oh, was it? Yeah. Are you sure? No. <laughs> oh, no, I'm pretty sure he came out of Halloween. Him and his blue breath. We had Leon last year, didn't we, for Halloween? No, that was the year before. Was it? Yeah.
1: My goodness. We've
0: done three Halloweens now. Oh. oh I know. All I'm right, sure. well, what are we doing this year? Well, so well, we're both doing our own thing, really. Yeah, we we, we're gonna we're gonna run out <laughs> of
1: ghost stories than we did this every year, but let's let's do it for this year because there's some pretty good ghosty stuff in London. So let's do a good ghost story linked in with history. What have you got?
0: Well, I'm actually talking about photographs that have been taken in London, which have got a little bit of a spooky connection. Love it. Are you into that? I'm well into that. Bring it on. I don't don't know what it is about photographs that's got some kind of image of a ghost or something that's a little bit kind of a bit haunting about it. But I always, when I was younger, would look at them Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can get so caught up into it, can't you? Yeah. Um, So the first photograph takes us actually onto the underground and when it comes to the underground there's lots of like stories which connect to deaths and ghosts and people that have been killed on the underground and their souls and their bodies are trapped there. Um but we are talking about a photograph which was taken in 1983 on the Bakerloo line. Oh, okay, um, I yeah. That, okay. okay, yeah. So right, a woman named Karen Colette. <laughs> Sorry, was on a train and she was with her nephew and a couple of other family members and her nephew asked her to take a photo of him she did and she was completely unaware of this figure behind him in the window until she had this picture developed so If you see it, and if you literally just go to, I don't know, like Karen, Colette, Underground... I'm doing it now. Are you doing it now? Okay, fabulous. Well, what you will see is you'll see a young boy, and he's holding a camera himself. And then he's got a family member on either side of him. And then behind, in the window, you can see that there is an image of a man. You can't see his head... So the top of the window of the underground train has kind of chopped it off, if you like. He's wearing a white shirt and his arms are strapped down and you can see his fingers. And he is basically in an electric chair. Are you looking at it now? I am. Oh, that's super creepy. It's super chilling, isn't it? So um, so you've got this person in this kind of weird electric chair. And the strange thing was that the train was moving really quickly. She remembers um, distinctly when she took the photo because she thought, well, it might not come out properly because it's going to be quite blurry behind. And remember, this is in 1983. So in terms of, you know, uh, cameras and focus and things like that. So she remembers distinctly going for a tunnel. And when you go through tunnels on the underground, you don't see any posters. There's no pictures. Um, And it was investigated. There was somebody from the Society of Physical Research who basically had no explanation for the figure. Are they the Ghostbusters? What's that? Are they the Ghostbusters? Yeah, basically physical, physical research as well. The Society of Physical Research. It's like, was basically everything. Uh, Must be very busy. Um, And then you've got the expert from the National Museum of Photography, Film and Television, who looked at it and inspected the negative and basically said it's an amateur camera. So to do manipulation of photographs, particularly in the 80s, you'd have needed quite sophisticated um, camera. Um, now the strange thing is that they have actually matched who the person is. Really? Yeah. So they really? it, it's so basically if at the time you went to Madame Two Swords, and you went to the Wax Museum, the Chamber of Horrors, then you would have found a figure of Bruno Hauptmann. And he was famous for being convicted for the kidnapping and murder of Charles Lindbergh's baby boy in the 1930s. So um, obviously when they kind of found this out, they thought, well, maybe there's a poster or something, maybe something's happened with the camera, where it's taken a photo of the poster. So they got in touch with the museum, and the museum said that they've never created a poster or an image of Whoa, this, cool. yeah, of this, uh, this man in the electric chair, cool? and the weirder thing is that Colette, a few weeks before the photograph was taken, she went to um, with her friend to go and get a reading, like um, from a medium, mm. and she was waiting outside at the time. She didn't want a reading done, but afterwards, this woman, the medium, she came out looking for Karen particularly right. and said. It's about your photo, and this is before the photo. It's about your photo. I just want you to know that the man said, I'm accused of something I didn't do, but I did something else. So (laughs) so it's so weird and so strange. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely one to have a look at. And I, I think when it comes to the underground, there's something super creepy about it anyway. There um can be. I'm not sure
1: Fiona, our lovely friend Fiona, would agree. She loves the underground, but yeah, I mean, because often you go through there and there are sort of little sparks and and things like that. And oh, that it, it really looks like that. There's sparks coming off his hands, doesn't there? Yeah, yeah. So he's
0: in a sort of a striped shirt or something. And <gasps> It's yeah. really quite. Yeah. And there's like um this. It looks like there's a bar going across his body, which is um the top of the window. Yeah. It's super weird, isn't it? And you can tell in terms of the color that especially if you look at the other windows, that it is dark as if they yeah. are going through a tunnel, yeah oh, that is, and if that you are moving weird. like you'd never get that kind of even if there was a picture in the tunnels which they wouldn't be, you wouldn't get a picture that's as good as that.
1: no oh, that's creepy. Did you see anything at the time, like a flash? You know, a spark or anything like that, because it does
0: look like sparks are coming off him. Yeah, God. Well, she said that you know she—it's only when she got it developed that she suddenly noticed this figure behind. Goodness
1: me. Yeah,
0: and that's weird that the medium came out and said that before as well. I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, the second photograph I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about three. Um. Now, this image used to haunt me I because I was, you know, I wanted to talk about photos and this suddenly came up and I remember distinctly seeing it and just kind of reading about it. So we're in the 1970s, so I wasn't around at the time, but yeah. it's one of these photographs that I think if you have a look at it you're you'll probably recognize it as well so if you typed in the Enfield poltergeist (gasps) oh my goodness
1: Yes. (laughs) yes
0: so we're in Enfield which is in North London and we are talking about the activity of a poltergeist who lived at number 284 Green Street this was a council house in brimsdown enfield and there were four children that lived there with their mother peggy hodgson and peggy hodgson called the metropolitan police to her home and said that she had claimed um well that she claimed uh, that furniture was moving around her home and that two of her four children had heard knocking on the walls she also had seen her child one of her child her children janet um levitating so there are quite a few photographs and the photo that is quite harrowing and very strange is one in particular of janet the daughter who it has kind of shot up from her bed she is wearing a red top and a lot of people have kind of looked at the back of her top because it almost looks like the back of it is kind of being lifted up um I don't know if you're able to look at the same one that I'm looking well, at because there's quite a few Um, And the one that I'm looking at has her sister and her brother in the bed. It's a room with two beds. There's a little fireplace. There's lots of posters on the wall. It's like classic 70s carpet, you know, every colour you can imagine down there. Um, And the children look absolutely terrified. And this photo has been taken of Janet, who is up in the air, and she's screaming manically. Her hands are kind of outwards, and her fingers look like they're kind of being stretched. Um, one police officer, one female police officer, reported that she saw a chair wobble and slide but couldn't determine the cause of the movement. And then she later said that she heard disembodied voices coming from various rooms. I mean, I don't know what a disembodied voice would be. Um, But uh, then people started to say that they saw that Janet seemed like she was possessed with some form of devil, or there was this kind of very deep um, demonic voice that kind of came out from her mouth. And a lot of people, um, I mean, this, in terms of news reports, this was from 1977 to 1979, so it went on for two years. They probably had people knocking on the door, journalists, all the time. The Conjuring 2... Was actually inspired. I don't know if you've seen or heard of the movie, but was inspired. I've, heard it. I've not, yeah, I've not uh, not seen it because I'm not very good with scary films. <laughs> scary films. Um, so yeah, so that appara- apparently, thirty people in total within those two years witness things being moved, things being thrown. Apparently, the particular room where the two girls were sleeping was the most haunted. Um, i i I don't know there's a lot of people which are quite skeptical about it because apparently the voices that janet kept on making uh, would suddenly kind of change conversation or change the direction of conversation which is something that janet did herself she would often kind of talk about something and then straight out of the blue she would you know talk about something else um they also found a camera a little video camera and on it there was a video of the other sister who was practicing trying to bend spoons so one of the constables who saw this presumed that the girls were trying to kind of create some kind of trickery to try and get the press round but um i think when you see the photos if you have a look it's it's hard not to kind of be a little bit kind of um I don't know, taking back. They quite by creepy. Them. I mean,
1: yeah. the trouble is, there's quite a few of them, and to me, they do just sort of look like she's jumping off a bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, yeah, completely I can convinced. See, I can see what if she was sort of hanging there, that would be properly creepy. there's a whole series that look very similar to her. You know what you do if you sort of jumped off a bed. So I'm not sure, but
0: but yeah, yeah, it's scary. So... There we go, there's a bit of a a poltergeist in Enfield. And lastly, I'm gonna take you over towards Greenwich. And Greenwich has many spectacular buildings, but one of which is the Queen's House, created by Inigo Jones. And so beautiful, it's like a little doll's house. And if you were to go in, you would find a spiral staircase known as the Tulip Stairs, because Mm -hmm. of this wonderful tulip pattern that you'll find on the railings as you go up. And there is a photo which is black and white. And this one, I mean, oh, when I was looking one. at this the other day, I had to kind of get it off the screen because I was just about to go to bed. And I was like, oh, I need I've need to." i seen this one before. And it is freaky. It is really freaky. So in 1966, a retired Canadian reverend and his wife. I mean, a reverend's not going to lie, is he? Um, and his wife visited the Queen's house. And they took a photo of the famous tulip staircase and it wasn't until they got it developed that they suddenly saw this shrouded figure going up the stairs. And when you look at this black and white photograph, you can see the the indentation of the fingers you can see this head which looks like it's kind of looking down as if you're looking at your steps as you very, make your way clear, up actually on the
1: picture yeah. it's
0: very very clear um, and there also if you carried on looking at the rainings on the steps there seems to be another set of hands mm. so they believe after looking at it that there's actually three people walking up the stairs and descending upwards and they seem to have kind of hoods um they're looking down where their face would be is quite dark and the light is just hitting the fabric that is over their bodies and you can see the the kind of the creases in the fabric and it's just so creepy Uh, yeah they're pretty
1: like present in the photo but they're also slightly
0: see-through so yes. They are
1: clearly not a
0: hundred percent there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That so
0: makes- um because of this there was lots of reporters um the ghost club <laughs> um, which i don't know if they're still going at the moment but the ghost club decided to spend the night of saturday the 24th of june in 1967 in the queen's house the purpose was of course to see these ghosts um or people that of course live there um or kind of was trapped there if you like and they had quite detailed instructions for each other they had to wear soft-soled shoes synchronous their watches, carry a, walk, a working torch, a notebook and pencil at all times and everything had to be noted down. Um, but apparently <laughs> they didn't see anything which is quite upsetting. However in 2002 one of the gallery assistants had a really unsettling experience and he was talking to two colleagues when he suddenly saw this figure gliding across the balcony and if you go into the queen's house you've got this kind of um square a kind of a um, ballroom if you like and all around you have this uh this balcony so suddenly saw this figure just kind of going from one side to the other which um yeah I think would be a little bit freaky
1: that would be yeah <gasps> I, I, I've never understood people who are like oh it's haunted please let me spend the night particularly when it's really haunted I know, and I, I have to say I have been listening Uh, Well, a couple of months ago, I listened to a podcast called Uncanny. And I tell you, some of the stories in there are horrifying. And a lot of them are, you know, people who go, oh, it's really haunted. Let me go and spend the night there. And then stuff really goes
0: wrong. See, Um, I'd be quite intrigued. I mean, when I was younger, my sister and I, we would do Ouija balls all the time. And I remember, actually, I got so into Ouija balls with um, one of my friends that we... It's almost as if the ghost, whoever they were was just following us and we were able and I really trusted her and she trusted me and I never moved it and I swear I never ever pushed it or moved it and we could literally both put our fingers on a pencil or on a pencil case or a piece of paper and repeat, I, I don't know what, what we said to kind of start it off, and it would start to move. And we got so freaked out in the end that we, like like just like in the horror films, we kind of burnt the original <laughs> Ouija board that we used in all the letters and we just stopped doing it. But I I have this major fear, but I think if you're with a group of people and the idea that there might be some kind of experience that would happen. I don't know. I'd be quite tempted. Oh really? No, I <laughs> it just makes me go. L-. nope, I'm out. I'm out. Really? <sighs> but I'm with
1: you on the on the photos thing. You know, when you kind of get a almost like a physical bit of evidence, it's quite they're they're quite sort of compelling actually. Yeah. Those photos. I'm not mm. so sure I, the Enfield one is quite so great. but the other two are pretty like the one in the in the tube is really quite something yeah we'll put these on the socials
0: yeah this week so absolutely you, you can let us good. know what you think whether the enfield poltergeist was uh the trickery of one of the girls or um oh, true that's oh, that bad? thanks em yeah no worries
1: ghostly photography well i'm this week i'm actually going to go to one of my favorite stories of skullduggery and murder and the ensuing ghost from a bit of a scandal that was based around um, the Duke of Cumberland. Now the Duke of Cumberland was the fifth son to King George III and he was the uncle of Queen Victoria and Queen Victoria never quite trusted him partly because he kind of wanted the throne but also partly because he had well, throughout most of his life, he had a series of scandals and dodgy dealings and all sorts of stuff. But basically, he was a bit of a bad lad. A bit of a bad Old lad. Duke of, uh, Duke of Cumberland. Um, and one of the biggest things that tarred his reputation was the story of what happened to his valet, a man named Joseph Sellis. So cast your minds back, if you will to 1810 um, and it was the morning the early hours of a May morning and the Duke of Cumberland has gone to bed in his bedchamber in St James's Palace which is where this story takes place and where the ghost is also to be seen and in the small hours blood curdling screams came from the room the Duke of Cumberland was in. Mm. Now he had been—he'd uh, been out that night. He had gone out to dinner that evening. He'd returned to town. He'd come back in a an open carriage, and uh, and he'd gone off to a concert about eleven o'clock, or eight o'clock, and then he he came back to St James's Palace and had gone to bed about one in the morning. So far, nothing—you know, nothing untoward. And what always happened is when he went into this room uh, that his bedchamber was in. He had a little kind of dressing room off to one side. And before he went to bed at night, the last thing he would do would be to lock the door to this little yellow room at the side. Now, I think because you could access the bedroom through that. So he would always lock that up and therefore, you know, all nice and safe and sound. And all of a sudden, about two in the morning, this scream comes out of his bedchamber and... He, the, the king, well, sorry, not the king, the Duke of Cumberland had been whacked around the head. He'd been very severely injured. He, he was rudely awakened by someone basically clobbering him over the head and he struggled up out of the bed, you know, dazed and a bit dizzy. and He couldn't see any anyone. He couldn't see anything at all. Um, however, there were a few weird things in the room. Off to his right on the night table was a letter covered in blood. And the Duke panicked, as you would, and he ran for the door. Now, at this point, something heavy hit him on the thigh and he fell to the ground. And this is where he starts screaming. He thinks, someone's someone's trying to kill me here. And he called for his page, who was a man called Cornelius Neal. And he was screaming, screaming down the corridor and Cornelius Neal didn't arrive. And then nothing else happened to him. So he looked around the room and he realised the door to that little yellow room, the kind of dressing room at the side, was wide open. <gasps> like I say, it's the last thing he locked before he got into bed. So he carried on shouting for his page and he was screaming, I'm murdered, I'm murdered. Maybe a bit of a re- overreaction because he was fine. But anyway, so he starts screaming, I'm murdered. And eventually, after quite a while, his page, who normally was one or two rooms down the corridor, his page arrived. And the Duke told him, there's an attacker in the bedroom. There's somebody here trying to kill me. So the two of them grabbed some pokers from the fireplace. There was no one in the room, so they armed themselves with these pokers and they started creeping along the passageway. Oh God! And at this point, there was a a clang. And his page, Neil, had stepped on a sword that was covered in blood. And he looked down, he picked up this sword and he noticed that it was one of the Duke's swords. And he noticed as well that it had been recently sharpened. So somebody clearly was trying to have a go at the Duke and had failed, lucky for the Duke. So the orders went out, the, 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 the household was all woken up. The orders went out to secure the premises and they started to search the palace. Now, the Duke went back into his room and he noticed at the end of his bed was a pair of slippers belonging to his valet, Joseph Sellis. There was also on the side a lantern that had been recently turned off, was darkened, Hmm. and lying there as well was the key to the closet door. So he runs back out of the room and he shouts for for Cornelius Neal and he says, find Celis, get Celis. And so this huge big group of people who are uh, searching the palace come together and they descend on the apartment that Joseph Celis is living in. They go to the door, they start banging on the door, they can't hear anything inside, and the door is locked. They can't get in. So his Cornelius Neal shouts, oh, there's another entrance. There's a, a, a door around the other side. So they all run around the door, around, around the other side of, of the room, and go in through this other door. Now, the door on this side is unlocked, and they slammed open the door, and what they saw on the bed changed some of them for for good. Oh, my God. Ellis was lying on the bed, propped up against <sighs> the wall or the headboard, and he was dying in a gurgling pool of his own blood. His throat had been cut so deeply that he the his spine had actually stopped the blade. And his head was nearly severed from his body. There was blood everywhere. Furniture, bed, floor, you name it. Oh my god. So now you might think at this point, well, obviously somebody's murdered murdered Joseph Sellis. Um And chances are it's the same person that had to try and tried to have a go at the Duke. However, this whole thing goes to court and there's a very quick court case. And the jury comes back with a verdict of suicide. It's a very, very quick trial. And they basically say, yeah, he attempted to murder his boss. Um, When it went wrong, he went back to his room and killed himself. Simple as that's it. That's that's the end of it. Now, that seems very weird, doesn't it? Because... I imagine that if you are trying to kill yourself, slicing your own neck probably pretty hard and slicing it all the way back to the bone, to the spine, it will be impossible. And to nearly sever your own head, I mean, it's just not possible. No. And the court starts gossiping. Now, bear in mind that the Duke of Cumberland has been involved in all sorts of scandals and dark deeds and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So people, you know, tongues are already wagging about him. And the court starts saying... This is a cover-up. And some even say that the Duke of Cumberland has had Joseph Sellis murdered. Now, one thing that is noticed about the crime scene, such as, you know, anything was taken down in those times, um, is that Sellis' hands were clean. And there was blood-stained water in his washbasin. Now, when you've cut your own head off to the, you know, all, all the way back to the spine, last thing you're going to be able to do is walk over to the wash basin. Exactly, yeah. I'll just put, a, put the, the hands in the
0: sink before I exactly. pop it.
1: So people are starting, you know, word is going around and people are saying, yeah, there's something afoot here. This is very, very weird and that he's been stitched up. um And people are saying that things like um Celis had found the Duke in bed with Celis's wife. And then there'd been a struggle and he'd been killed to stop him exposing the Duke of Cumberland's secret. Um, Some other people said that the Duke of Cumberland had seduced Sellis' daughter, um, who had then killed herself when she found out that she was pregnant. um, And that Sellis had confronted the Duke and the Duke had silenced him forever. These are the kind of things that the court is saying. So the word is going around and people are all whispering and, oh, you know, they said it was suicide. But actually, this is what I think. So, you know. This this sort of thing, and this is actually a, a stain on the Duke of Cumberland's reputation for the rest of his life. You know, as far as he's concerned, he's he he didn't do anything wrong, and whatever potential wrongdoing there was was he was acquitted of. However, everybody has another idea on it. So for the rest of the life of his life, the Duke of Cumberland has this stain on his character. A However, Joseph Sellis never left the palace because his ghost now haunts St. James's Palace. And he's been known to wander the halls of the palace, um, a sort of shadowy figure accompanied with that really metallic smell of fresh blood. And a lot of the people who work in the palace will often find that they have run-ins with dark sort of shadowy presences in the corner of the room. In fact, one woman who, who was there once, I think, on a weekend, sort of catching up with work and this big Sort of dark shape moved in across the room and she basically packed up and legged it. And when she came in on Monday and told them about it, they were like, Oh, yeah, that's Joseph Sellis. But, you know, people have also felt kind of uneasy as if they're being watched as well. However, in the actual room where Joseph Sellis died, um, it is now a room that people can stay in when they're visiting the palace. Now, this is not for the likes of you and me, but for the upper echelons, you know, if they're visiting the royal palace for whatever reason, it, it can now be used as a guest room. And several people who have visited that room and slept in that room have seen the ghost of Joseph Sellis. Now, we often talk about ghosts as being fairly shadowy figures or, you know, a presence. Well, Joseph Sellis doesn't mess around. Several people have woken up in the night to see the body of Joseph Sellis propped up in <sighs> bed next to them. with his mouth open, his head sort of lolling. Gurgling. And gurgling blood.
0: Oh, God, can you imagine?
1: I genuinely cannot. I would not stay in that room for love nor money. So Joseph Ellis is still there with possibly one of the most hideous ghosts that you'll ever see. Oh,
0: my gosh. So, because... The Duke obviously thought that there was some kind of poltergeist or some kind of because he was hit in the thigh and he got hit around the
1: head. Oh no, he he thought that there was an attacker in the room, not a ghost. He thought there was an attacker trying an to kill actual it. Actual attacker. And so this is why when he sees the supposedly sees the the the, the, the slippers or, or the little shoes belonging to Joseph Sellis, that's his that's his man. That's the one who he hmm. thought. So nothing to do with a ghost at the time. It was. Well, perhaps
0: he, was, he didn't actually. A, um, he wasn't hit around the head, but he thought, well, if I shout murder, you know, someone's murdered me, then no one will suspect that I'm in on... I mean, God. right? They never found anyone
1: in the actual room with him. Um, they saw the darkened lantern and, and the slippers. I mean, those could have been planted. I mean, who knows? God. All we do know that that is that they find Joseph Sellis with his throat cut gurgling blood so he couldn't have been there for that long before the people came in there oh i love it oh,
0: yeah. it's there we so go. chilling
1: it's yeah. a pretty full-on story isn't it
0: yeah and it's stories like that that you can kind of like um i don't know get wound up about actually the other day i <laughs> yeah i'll just say i got up to go for a little uh little jimmy riddle and um <laughs> and I got so spooked because it was the dark I never put the light on, I was gonna give you all the information now. Never put the light on because I don't want to wake myself up too much. Yeah. Um but I looked up and I thought that I saw this figure with like legs standing in front of me and I screamed, and it was just the shape of the towels. <laughs> <laughs> but I genuinely thought because I was looking down, and I suddenly looked up and thought that this figure was like right next to me oh, oh my
1: goodness that's brilliant
0: yeah and actually i was upstairs the other day and suddenly the uh the attic door just swang down and that's the that's an area of the house that really freaks me out i think it's so creepy and that's i couldn't put it back up, up, up again. yeah yeah have you ever had any kind of ghostly experiences personally no i i did
1: I, don't know, I don't feel like I maybe told this last year the story of the, the hotel in Bath or near Bath don't know. well it's worth, worth retelling anyway um, there's a place in a, in a little town near Bath the town's called Corsham and the hotel is called the Matthew in Arms and some, really randomly I stayed there a couple of months ago um, a few years ago I was leading a tour I'm mean, probably about 15 years ago now leading a tour for EF um, who do uh, kind of US and Canadian school kids they come over to Europe and they do 10 days 20 days whatever around Europe and I used to lead those tours and we stayed in this hotel and uh, it it's changed now but at the time it was a um, you know fairly sort of large hotel that you could put loads of kids in and it you know was a bit scruffy and it was fine and but it was quite old and it used to be an old nunnery and the kids we there for two nights and the kids said to me oh Alex you know is it haunted because it looks like the kind of place that could be so I thought well I'll ask and so I asked after the first night and I asked the staff and they said oh yeah uh, it is haunted it's haunted by the ghost of a little boy and a little girl who played at the time there was a a big dining hall at the back of the dining hall was a little skittle alley and they said the, the the kids can be seen on where the skittle alley is um but also sometimes in some of the rooms and I thought okay cool so I thought well I won't tell them until we leave," and. The more, Because I thought I didn't want to freak anyone out. Well, oh so, no, I mean, well, that's pretty freaky night, to say. Yeah. Oh, look out yeah. for the little boy and girl. <laughs> no, right? So the last night that we were there, we then left in the, in the morning and I, I got on the bus and I said, right, so some of you are asking, is the hotel haunted? And uh, I've been told that yes, it is. And I told them the story about the little girl and the little boy and one of the girls on the bus went <gasps> white.
0: Oh, my God, you did tell this story. Yeah.
1: She went, sorry, everybody who's like, oh, we've heard this before. Just fast forward. Uh, and they went absolutely white. Uh, she went white. And her mum came up to me afterwards and she said, Now, when you said that, she remembered that she had been, well, she'd woken up in the night <gasps> and seen a little boy and a little girl on the end of her bed who'd sort of oh looked at her God, and had a or so something, And she thought she was dreaming and just went back to sleep. <gasps> and then when you said that, she realized that she had actually woken up and seen oh them. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And so randomly, a couple of months ago, I went back and I had to stay in Corsham for um, a job that I was doing. And I booked into the Matthew and Arms and I hadn't twigged. It was the same place. And since I was there, it's had a massive refurb and it is really quite spanky now and lovely. And I got a really lovely deal for a couple of nights and I booked and I was like, I thought, I really remember the name of this place, but I don't think I've been here. And a friend of mine came up to visit me. He lived nearby and I said, I feel like I know this place. He said, oh, yeah, well, this used to be an EF hotel. This is where we used to stay. I was like, Oh, that's why. And so I did ask them about the ghosts, and she said, "Oh, they're still here, but we've oh. seen them less since with the refurb. So since because the refurb, that's... they're not they're not really into the wallpaper, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, um, but yeah,
0: but they still get seen. Oh my god! This year, I had the most freakiest experience of oh. my life." So I was staying with Nick and a couple of others. There was meant to be about 16 of us, but so many people dropped out because of this, that and the other. So it was just two couples and two babies in this old monastery. Oh, and walked everywhere. It was like on two floors. So we had one floor and our friends had the below floor. You know, there was kind of crosses everywhere and pictures of monks. And if you went outside, there was like... This kind of uh, this grill, and you looked down the grill, and there was just like stairs leading down to like this dark crypt or whatever it was. Nope. Anyway, nope, nope. nope. Me and Nick were in our bedroom, and in the next room we had Carmen in the cot, and I had the um, monitor on, and uh, I just didn't feel right in the room, and I was looking at the monitor, and it just seemed like there was something going past Carmen's cot. No, because yeah, there was like the see-through bit, and um, and anyway, like she was kind of tossing and turning. And I thought, well if she's not crying, like she's okay. And I went into a sleep very, very quickly, and in my sleep, and I thought I was awake, which I kind of feel like I was, in my sleep, I was um, or in my dream, I was in the room. The same coloured kind of mustard blanket was on top of me. Nick was next to me. The room was exactly as it was. And I looked over to the door that led into the room where Carmen was. And there was this black figure, (gasps) like huge. And he... Went zooming towards me, and he held me down. I've, I know it was a he, held me down, and I remember I could not shout for Nick, and I was going, mm, mm, and it was so so real. I woke up, and the atmosphere, the colour of the room, like the. The, the darkness, the pitch of the darkness was the same, like the color of the mustard blanket was the same. And I looked at Nick and Nick was moving, like shaking, as if there was something on top of him. Oh my goodness. And oh, like, I cannot tell you. After that, I had to take Carmen out of the cot and like have her in between us. And there was the sound of like chairs and people kind of like walking. It was the scariest place, honestly, Where every night. So this was in Italy, this was in um, Tivoli. And uh, yeah, yeah. Like I still did. Remember you ask th- them if there were ghosts? No, but the person that we gave like was a group of people. It was like a woman and two men. Um, I don't know. There was something quite different about them. I can imagine that they, you know, like if it was a horror film, they they almost <laughs> knew. <laughs> be like, how did you sleep? <laughs> <And> <laughs> that there was something untoward, but it was just. Um, and I did guess, Nick have any like weird dreams or anything like that? he i mean he's he's quite um quite rational um but he said that he heard noises and he was definitely freaked out in that really? space yeah like um and it because it was so empty and so big you know you were just walking down this hall and down these kind of old steps before you kind of bumped into somebody so it was um yeah but he didn't have a dream about being held down by this guy or anything then no he didn't no, but it was—it felt so real, and I, I still remember like the way that this like shadow figure just zoomed towards me. Oh. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. no. not no. happy with that.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So. so you've had your own your own weird supernatural experience. Yeah. Well, luckily I have not.
0: Mm, well sleep well tonight my dear (laughs) thank
1: you very much for that yeah well there we go that's it for for this week this year's halloween
0: special happy halloween
1: historic ghosts for you but yeah please feel
0: free to um well we'd love to hear about um any ghost stories that you've experienced or kind of any ghosts that you've seen or um stories that you think are quite freaky please you know let us know
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: the wheel of destiny
1: well, we don't have um, a podcast pedestal for this week, then, do we? Because it's uh, no more of a more of a special. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week with uh, the normal pod. So, shall we spin the wheel? Yes, absolutely. Whose go is it next? Is it mine? It's your go, my dear. It's my go. All right. So i ready when you are. Right off we go.
0: Oh, rather hive.
1: Oh, we've gone back there, now that you've we left. Have. Yeah. Boo. Um, Okay. Oh, now, actually, we did have a request the other week, um, and there was a couple of places I could link this to, so I'm going to link it to here. Uh, we had a request for um, a podcast about the poor schools and ragged schools. Mm. So I think that might be quite a nice one to do. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's do that for next week. That'll be uh, Rotherhithe. We'll do the ragged schools. So come back next week for a bit more... Fun and but less ghostly, murdery stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, have a great week and enjoy Halloween itself. Are you doing anything for Halloween? Um,
1: no, no. I've just Not made trick-or-treating?
0: Eyeballs.
1: I've made eyeballs. Oh, I do, we didn't say actually, somebody was asking, a few people have been asking about are we doing any tours coming up? Yes. I am about to launch a few more um, public tours for the winter. So I'm going to do some street art ones, some Christmas lights ones, a couple of other bits and pieces. So um, keep an eye on the website and I'll I'll put it on the socials as and when they they go up, which should be hopefully in the next day or two. Um, Are you doing any public ones? Uh,
0: Well, I'm hoping to guide uh, for you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, putting my own ones up, I just don't think I've got the time personally. Fair enough. Um, But... But yes, if I do, I will will let you know. Fabulous. All right. Lovely. Well, we'll see you next week, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye.